morning, everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy, Jason, and boy, do we have some football to talk about today. It's Wednesday, so we're just going to run through some news as we wait for Thursday Night Football tomorrow. Of course, you know, we get into a rhythm in the season. It's nice. It's beautiful. So much to talk about. Actually, a pretty good news day, pretty good day in the news. So we'll be talking about Chris Olave. We'll be talking about Will Levis. We'll be talking about Dalton Kincaid. We'll be talking about all that and more. So why don't we sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. Make a quick note here. This is my, I just found this mug. It's a duck mug. I just like it a lot. I saw it at Goodwill. It was probably some of the best 89 cents. I'll let you guys check that out on Instagram. She's got nice colors. I'm a fan of just the classic duck. I don't know. Cool little mug. Cool little mug. And also, wake and take alert. The first hot coffee of show history. Normally, it's lukewarm or iced coffee. We're hitting some cold season. Felt like some warm coffee today. And if you were curious how Jason takes his coffee when it's hot, Told you I take it when it's cold. I prefer to use the hazelnut creamer. I just like the flavor of a little hazelnut. It's a nice aroma. It's a nice flavor. It's a nice taste. It complements the coffee very well. So if you want to, you know, have a wake and take approved coffee, hazelnut creamer it takes. Hazelnut creamer it takes. So let's talk some football. Let's talk some football. Welcome into the chat, everyone. Glad to see you, Harry Snowman. Glad to see you, Anthony. And that's it. That's it. Glad to see you too, Dylan. Glad to see you all. Glad to see you all. Let's talk about, hmm, what should we start with? Let's go ahead and just start with Will Levis. Let's just start with Will Levis. Uh, as last week's show, we had Ahan Rungta do a fantastic job pleading for the Tennessee Titans to let Will Levis have a shot. Called it basically malpractice right? And uh, it really was. They really should have just given a chance to Will Levis. They tried Malik Willis last year. It was bad. Malik Willis looked bad again. Well, on the stat sheet, not the worst, but taking too many stat sacks, just not operating the offense at a good enough level. So, you know, you let Will Levis try. And some of the reports are saying that Malik Willis will still get some action as well, which I think could be cool to see, you know, if they want to run a bit more of a mobile play, maybe throw Willis out there. But Don't let Will Levis fool you. He does have some wheels. He's in the 88th percentile of burst on playerprofiler.com and had a good bit of rush yards, over 700 rush yards in his college career across Penn State, across Kentucky. He's got a decent profile when it comes to that. And I am, I mean, let's, let's face it here. His stats have never been the best. You know, in college, a lot of interceptions still, I mean, good stats, right? Over 5,000 career passing yards. I think it was over 70 passing touchdowns. Or no, it's over 50 passing touchdowns with about 29 passing interceptions. So, you know, it's decent, decent, decent. And he has a great arm. So I do think that Will Levis is better for the Tennessee Titans than Malik Willis, of course. And I'm not going to take it off the table that he's better than Ryan Tannehill. I really do think it's possible Will Levis goes out there and plays at a better level than Ryan Tannehill was. Ryan Tannehill was not playing well this season. He looked awful. He looked terrible. And so I do think Will Levis could be an upgrade. It will just take probably a couple games. I see a lot of people discussing if they should stream the Atlanta Falcons defense. 
I'm doing it. I'm not super confident in it. I mean, the Falcons defense luckily has been really good. I think Jesse Bates could have a great day. But, I mean, when there's not a lot of film on quarterbacks, sometimes in their first start, they do do pretty well, uh, especially midseason. I mean, he's been watching. He was okay in the preseason. I do think that Will Levis could have a decent game. Traylon Burks might be returning. DeAndre Hopkins is, of course, there. And, I mean, Derrick Henry just creates so much play action. And I do think that this will be a more normal Tennessee Titans type approach with Will Levis at the helm. And so I'm honestly excited to see it. I think he's definitely worth paying up for if, you know, you, your waivers still haven't processed, throwing a good bit of fab his way, probably 25% is where I would be. Uh, and if he, you know, crossed waivers, you know, no one picked him up. The news wasn't totally out yet. Only Taylor Lewan, I believe, had discussed it yesterday uh, before it became truly known. Maybe. Maybe you just go ahead and pick him up uh, because I do think he's worth it. Now, unfortunately, in any league where I could start him, I'm playing with Maddie Kiwoom, and he's, of course, been hoarding Will Levis everywhere, so I, I can't get him. But I do think I do think he'll be fine. And honestly, I do think that he could take the starting job from Ryan Tannehill pretty easily. We've got the trade deadline approaching, so it's a good time to see what he's got. But, I mean, they could also just go to tear it down and rebuild. They spent basically a first-round pick on him. He was the 202 this year, but with a vacated first-round pick, I mean, he was 33rd overall. I mean, he's got good draft capital. He was decent enough in college. He's got a good burst. He's got great arm strength. I mean, I really do think he could do some services for this Titans offense. I think it means great things for DeAndre Hopkins. I think it means great things for Derrick Henry. I think it means great things for Traylon Burks. I just don't necessarily know what it means for the Tennessee Titans as a whole, but I am giving a bump to all the pass catchers and really everyone in the offense. I think that they can start clicking a lot better with Will Levis. So I, I'm excited about this news, and I think you should too. Next up, we've got the Dawson Knox injury that happened. Dawson Knox got hurt, which means it's Dalton Kincaid season. Dawson Knox is battling a wrist injury. The timeline is still unknown. I've been seeing anywhere from four to six weeks and maybe even longer. I'm assuming probably not longer, but Dawson Knox has been injured a lot this season. Seasons past, always battling something, usually minor, but this time it seems to be a major wrist injury. Don Kincaid, of course, had his breakout game against the Patriots. We discussed why it would happen and why I wasn't crazy excited about the breakout. I, I wasn't getting totally on board yet. But with Dawson Knox injured, I'm 100% in on Dalton Kincaid. However, I do want to say, I do want to say, I don't think, I don't think that Dalton Kincaid will take the same role that Dawson Knox did. I do still think a lot of Dalton Kincaid's usage will be the same. I don't think he automatically becomes a de facto tight end, a very, very normal tight end that's blocking more than, than running routes and the and the uh, go-to red zone threat. I don't think that's what Dalton Kincaid's going to be. But will he get more targets? Will he be more featured? Yes, yes. So it is Dalton Kincaid season, but don't go out there thinking like, oh, you know, he's going to get all of Dal Dawson Knox red zone targets. He's going to get all of Dawson Knox red zone share. He's going to he's going to he's going to be everywhere, right? He's going to be running the tight end routes and the wide receiver routes. I don't necessarily see that happening. You've got to pick one. I think for me a lot of his usage is going to be the same with a few more targets going his way and just the field being a bit more open for him. And we can look at some metrics to where he's already been really good. 
Uh, he's right now 12th in, in slot snaps, which kind of backs up my point in that they're not just going to start using him as a tight end. If they've been planning him to play this slot, slot role, he's probably going to continue to do that even with the Knox injury. I mean, that's a hole that's a little bit more important to them. Um, he's also getting some great target quality. He's getting some great catchable passes. He's number one in true catch rate. And, you know, he's getting open as well. So I uh, 13th in target separation for Dalton Kincaid among tight ends. I think it's just going to get better. I really do think it's just going to get better. But, again, don't expect him to become this massive red zone threat, cut, catching all of Dawson Knox's touchdowns. Dawson Knox only had one touchdown so far this year, but still had the 10th most red zone targets amongst tight ends. I think that that goes to probably Gabe Davis, probably James Cook, probably like Deontay Hardy more than it does Dalton Kincaid. And also, I should have just looked this up. Who's the third string tight end? That's honestly, that's honestly the one that I would be looking at for DFS. Let me pull up the Buffalo Bills depth chart here on playerprofiler.com. This is going to be Quinton Morris or Reggie Gilliam, I believe, who will be kind of taking out Dawson Knox. I, I don't think it's going to be Dalton. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense for Dalton Kincaid to just start being Dawson Knox. I don't think that that's a great line to draw. I hope you guys can agree with me there. It's He's a different tight end. He's just plain and simple a different tight end than what Dawson Knox brings to the table. So Dalton Kincaid, still fantastic, still definitely Dalton Kincaid's season, but I'm not drawing a one-for-one line of targets and 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 uh, differentiation and everything between Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. It, it's not going to work like that. Just expect a few more targets, expect some more yards, expect maybe a couple more red zone targets. But I, I just think that ultimately it's going to be split amongst everyone, really, not just focused on Dalton Kincaid, but still a good bump in him. Definitely worth the bump in value and the excitement. Just pump your brakes a little bit. Pump your brakes a little bit. Next up, we've got to talk about Chris Olave. Chris Olave. Speeding. <laughs> Chris Olave caught going 35 miles per hour over the speed limit two days ago. And recently, uh, a video came out. I'll share it with you guys. I honestly just think it's funny. Some people outraged by it. I just think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. Let me see. This is courtesy of TMZ. What are they not doing? What is TMZ not doing? Here we go. Maybe. And let me make sure that sound it is muted we take away this overlay so you can actually see it check this out Turn around. Yeah. i need to just try to put your other hand this way this is just him getting arrested or getting put in cuffs, essentially, for speeding. Definitely a bit too much, you know, just speeding. Let me see. Was it right here? Yeah. Yeah, it's right here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so basically going 70 and a 35 i mean pretty crazy but then when he's arrested he pleads with the cop he's like i play for the saints man and the cop just goes and and that to me hilarious just hilarious I, 
all credit to Alave for trying. If I were in that situation, I 100% would try the same thing. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? No one wants a speeding ticket. That sucks. That ruins your night. Nothing, though. Nothing is going to affect the football field play. He's still going to be out there. There's no way he gets a suspension for this. It is not that big of a deal. He's still going to be out there Sunday. He's going to be out there every week. If anything, if anything, he'll get a fine. Now, hopefully, now, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully here, Chris Olave could take his speeding in a car to on the field. As we talked about uh, earlier this week, he's just been giving up on routes. Chris Olave has not been trying on his route running, running half routes, jogging, giving up stopping the route Derek Carr getting pissed at him hopefully hopefully he can learn his lesson here and be like well if I can go 70 and a 35 I can give 100% on my routes I can hit my max speed I can actually run the route and I can bring it to the field and maybe you know he saw Jordan Addison start to play so well after his speeding ticket that he was like all right maybe I've just got to kick it into gear here I don't know what was really going on in his head I mean just drive normally I I but whatever, he's still young, you know. Uh, when I got my first speeding ticket, that was it for me. Little uh, wake and take life hack, <laughs> mansion lifestyle hack here. After I got my first speeding ticket, I was like, I, I am not doing this again. Now, anytime I drive, anytime, I, I put on the cruise control, and then I, I, I set it right at nine miles per hour over the speed limit. No matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, I just don't care. I, I want to, I want to still go fast. I, I hate people that drive. If you drive exactly the speed limit if you drive 70 and a 70 45 and a 45 55 and a 55 you are one of my least favorite people in the world you can drive over the speed limit go a little bit faster you don't have to hit it right on the dot it's not that big of a deal and you piss me off it, it, it makes my mornings tough it makes my days tough when i'm trying to get somewhere and we're in like one lane and you're going exactly 45 when you could be going like 54 what are you doing why are you driving so slow get out of my way let's move on to sam Howell. Let's move on to Sam Howell. Sam Howell, this is a crazy stat. Crazy, crazy stat here. Sam Howell has already taken 40 sacks through seven games. 40 sacks. <laughs> last year, to put this into perspective, last year, Russell Wilson was the most sacked quarterback in the league the whole season. 55 times, 55 times. We still have 10 more games to go. And Sam Howell has almost as many sacks as Russell Wilson had last year. And before you go too crazy, like, well, yeah, the offensive line sucks. No, no. The commander's offensive line has been fine. Not good, not bad. Right now, actually, Sam Howell is 11th in protection rate per player profiler. And if you go check out our offensive line rankings, they're 19th. They're 19th. So to see him get sacked this many times is a problem. I do firmly believe that sacks are a quarterback stat. Not many people believe that, but to me, they are. You know, get out of the pocket and throw the ball away. Don't get sacked, <laughs> you know, maybe. I know sometimes, obviously, you can't avoid it. You could definitely, definitely avoid being sacked almost 10 times a game. You, you can definitely avoid that. You, you can figure out something. You should not be sacked 40 times in seven games. And this just kind of brings back my point in that, I, I mean, obviously he's still a young quarterback, technically his first season as the starter, uh, but he's got to work on that. You can't be a franchise quarterback if you're getting sacked that much, A, for your health, 
be for what it does for the momentum of the team. I mean, they only scored seven points last week. That's terrible. That's terrible. Terry McLaurin is not playing well. Jahan Dotson has been completely erased. I mean, Sam Howell with some decent stats, decent stats, right? Uh, not doing enough for the team. And I do think that leaving the door way too open to be replaced if he doesn't work on this sack problem. But I do want to give him some props. I mean, granted, all right, so this is player profiler before last week. You know, we haven't updated everything totally yet. But going into this game, he was seventh in pass yards, second in pass attempts. The commanders are throwing the ball 10th most times in the league. He has the 11th most passing touchdowns. He was fourth in pressure completion percentage, eighth in true completion percentage, fourth in deep ball catchable pass rate. I mean, lots and lots of good metrics here, but sixth in danger plays, fifth in interceptable passes. And again, being sacked 40 times in seven games. I don't even know how that's possible. I really, really don't. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I mean, hopefully he can work it out. Again, I do still think the door is wide open for him to be replaced, but we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, anyway, Commander's sitting at three and four. They've got to decide what kind of franchise they are and if they want to believe in him. It also just depends what kind of draft capital they get uh, and, and everything, and everything. But that if I'm sitting in the front office and I see my quarterback has been sacked 40 times in seven games, I am not happy. Not happy at all. Next up, we have Jameis. Or sorry, I, I was looking at a, a comment here. Sorry, uh, Marvin Jones, Lions wide receivers on my mind. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones has stepped away from the game. Uh, don't necessarily know if it's a retirement, although I would have to imagine it will be. He just said he's stepping away from the team to solve a family thing, to be with his family. Uh, there's a, there's an issue going on that he had to step away from the team. Couldn't be the player he wanted to be, nor the family person he wanted to be either. So he had to choose one and he chose family. So round of applause for him. He, great career. Great career. If this is it, 7,421 receiving yards, 58 touchdowns. Really good. Really, really good. Six years on the Lions, three years on the Bengals, two years on the Jaguars. So, I mean, an 11-year career within the NFL, very, very awesome career. A lot to be proud of for Marvin Jones. So, I just want to give him a round of applause on his way out, hopefully. Oh, well, I mean, hopefully he comes back maybe, but I, I think this is it. I think this is it. So, everyone say thank you to Marvin Jones in the chat, please. Thank you to Marvin Jones. What a, what a, what a ride it has been. What a ride. Next up, let's move on to Deshaun Watson. We've had this mystery injury going on for so long. And now we finally have some clarity, finally some clarity, but it's not good. It is not good news. Adam Schefter reports that doctors have told him that Deshaun Watson has a strain of the subscapularis within the rotator cuff. Um, and so he, what that basically does is it gives him pain no, and weakness with every single movement within his shoulder. And Adam Schefter gives some good insight here. He says this causes baseball pitchers to miss usually four to six weeks. Um, so I'm going to, I would assume he lands on IR. I would assume he lands on IR. If I'm the Browns, that's what I'm going to do. But of course that door is always open that they try to maybe rush him back in four weeks. Baseball pitcher in, well, I mean, huh. four to six weeks in baseball. What is the equivalent for football? I'm, I'm spitballing here. Somebody in the comments, maybe help me out. But what do you, there's so many games played in a week. Do you think that that means longer for football? 
<laughs> or less. So if so, you what two to three baseball games a week if you're a pitcher. Well, but they only probably throw once a week. I'm not I'm not too into baseball, but I know pitchers take some breaks. So maybe it's about the same. Missing one game a week for a baseball pitcher, although they definitely throw the ball a lot more than quarterbacks. Two, I think. How many pitches does a baseball throw? How many how many pitches does a pitcher throw in a game? How did this turn into a baseball episode? I'm checking the comments. How does a pitcher throw the ball more? I know they throw with more velocity. Right? <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking about baseball. I obviously don't know enough about baseball. Uh, but anyway, expect at least four weeks for Deshaun Watson. P.J. Walker, I'm assuming, is going to get the start. But I'm going to say this. I know Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a terrible game in his one start, but I would stash him in super flex. It's still possible that Deshaun Watson just doesn't play at all this season. I think the Browns have an out on their contract for some mystery. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't know. Expect at least four weeks. I'm expecting IR. But they could try to rush him back. We'll, we'll continue to monitor this situation. Either way, if P.J. Walker was dropped because Deshaun Watson was returning, pick him back up. And if you're in a little bit of a deeper league, go ahead and pick up Dorian Thompson-Robinson. This means really good things for those of you that picked up Pierre Strong. I think that, of course, that means they're going to be running the ball a lot. It means good things to, you know, the Kareem Hunt people as well. And what, Elijah Moore had the most targets and David Njoku was starting to look good as well. So those two seem to be the answer. I would probably be looking to sell Amari Cooper. Speaking of shoulder injuries, Anthony Richardson's shoulder injury was successful. So just, I hope that this means, you know, he can come back full strength next season and be okay. You know, hopefully that's good. Let's go. Anthony Richardson, congratulations on the successful surgery. Um, we look forward to seeing you next season. And another quarterback I didn't make an overlay for, but Malik Cunningham, the Patriots kind of preseason, offseason star, random quarterback, wide receiver, hybrid guy, waived, released by the Patriots uh, yesterday. Overweight. I mean, Mac Jones did enough in this game. And I, I mean, I just ultimately, I just don't think that's the type of quarterback that Bill Belichick wants to run in his system. They had fun with Cam Newton, but it wasn't enough. Um, I would like to see where he lands. It could be cool if he lands... I mean, in Baltimore, in Indianapolis, Arizona, somewhere with a mobile quarterback, you know, sit back, learn, all that fun stuff. But Malik Cunningham, no longer on the Patriots. The Kansas City Chiefs are historical right now. Don't always need to say it, but, but it's not just Patrick Mahomes. It's not just Travis Kelsey. It is every side of the ball. They are going back for another Super Bowl. I have a trivia question for you here. I don't know the answer, but I have a trivia question coming up for you soon. So start thinking. But Kansas City Chiefs are the first team to be top five in all three phases, uh, you know, through seven weeks since the 1999 Rams. The Chiefs right now are number four on offense, number five on defense, and number two in special teams. This is per Aaron Schatz on Twitter. Go follow him, A Schatz, NFL, S-C-H-T-Z. Some other teams that have done this, and you know, this is a great company, 1984 Redskins, 1985 Bears, 1990 Giants, 1991 Redskins, and the 1996 Packers are the only other teams to do this. So Kansas City Chiefs, of course, on their way to the playoffs, of course, probably on their way to another Super Bowl run. But I just have to put into perspective how good they are on all sides of the ball. And I mean, that's why we're seeing teams not even really put up 20 points against them. It's really just spectacular what they've been able to put together uh really in all facets of the game kansas city chiefs very well built team which brings me to my trivia question 
I had I didn't look it up. I didn't want to look it up. I, I was just curious uh, if anyone knew, and I thought it'd be fun. Has there been? I know there's been repeat Super Bowls, right? We had the Patriots and the Giants, right? Easy. But there's some years in between. Has there been a back-to-back like the same Super Bowl? Because I honestly, I'm looking at everything right now, and I, I it's got to be the Eagles and the Chiefs, <laughs> right? Again, like I can't imagine it's not the Eagles and the Chiefs again, unless some team gets really, really hot towards the end of the year or some injuries happen. But right now the chiefs and the Eagles are easily the two most well-built teams on all sides of the ball. It, it, has it happened before? Has the same teams faced off in the super bowl in back-to-back years? I'm curious. Someone let me know in the chat. Um, yeah. Lots of baseball fans in the chats. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> lots of <laughs> Buffalo and Dallas. Well, yeah, but back-to-back, Chef. So I, I know the Patriots-Giants, but that was 2007 and 2011. Harry Snowman says the Bills and the Cowboys. Um, nice. So we are on the way to the second back-to-back Super Bowl of all time. Heard it here first on The Wake and Take. What else can we talk about? This will be a fun one. Harry Snowman, I'm glad you tuned in today. We've been some doing some Discord messaging uh, oh, and someone on Instagram says Steelers Cowboys. I'm going to believe you. That that also makes some sense. But we've been talking a little bit about kickers privately on in Discord, trying to figure out what to do. We have an FFPC team together. Talking about kickers. Talking about kickers. Kickers are a fun way to gain an advantage. And while the Rams have released Brett Maher, this comes after missing two field goals, after missing an extra point this week against the Steelers. And they signed Lucas Havrasek, who has never played an NFL regular season game. but Seems to be a good kicker, former kicker for the University of Arizona in college, actually had five field goals over 50 yards, even nailed a 57-yarder, has a video on his Twitter of him nailing a 66-yard field goal, so he's got a leg, and I do think that, you know, you should probably pick him up. A, it's the Rams offense who are, who are just looking really good, and kickers historically do pretty well if they're on the Rams, but B, no one else is really going to be looking at it, they're going to wait and see. Well, why not? Why not go pick up Lucas Haversick? And I feel like it's just something we see year in, year out now where just a guy comes in and becomes a really good fantasy-relevant kicker. Cameron Dicker, the kicker for the Chargers last season, for example. So Lucas Haversick and Scott Fishbowl, good kicker scoring leagues, just kicker leagues in general. If you're looking for someone, have some fun. Try the new Rams kicker, Lucas Haversick. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Let's talk about Brock Purdy. This is a hot topic right now. Everyone wants to know, is Brock Purdy still good at football? Yes. Yes. Um, But but he's had a rough patch, and and I'm curious to see how far it goes. We have some interesting stats here from the NFL. NFL next-gen stats through the first five weeks, five touchdowns and zero interceptions. Last two weeks, zero passing touchdowns and three interceptions. First five weeks, 157 passer rating. The last two weeks, a 27 passer rating. This is, sorry, I should have been more more specific. Sorry, guys. This is for intermediate passes, anywhere from 10 to 19 air yards, where he was mostly excelling, where he was finding those pockets in the defense. Granted, Debo Samuel's been out these last two weeks, so I think it's interesting how much Debo Samuel means for his intermediate passing game. But he went down from 76% completions to 39% completions. EPA terrible as well, plus 1.6 to now negative EPA per attempt. Just looking really bad in this range of the field, which is where he was excelling earlier. So you have to have some concerns when it comes to that. 
also he has the fourth most turnover worthy plays throughout through this season now. So showing that it might not just be a rough patch, but that, you know, he possibly had been getting lucky and fun fact. I saw this one on Reddit. I don't think it means too much. I, I think that a lot of things could play into why this would be the case, but why not share it? Brock Purdy has a worse fourth quarter passer rating in his career, in his career than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is better in the fourth quarter than Brock Purdy. Now, not a big deal because the 49ers are not usually doing anything in the fourth quarter. They're normally ahead and just kind of running it out and not really trying too much. So it makes sense that his passer rating wouldn't be that high anyway. Uh, and then, of course, it's going to get negatively skewed by throwing two interceptions and less than a 50% completion in Monday night's uh, fourth quarter. But still, something to note, maybe not the perfect quarterback that some were hoping, but I am not fading Brock Purdy. Don't, don't take this as Brock Purdy fade. I like Brock Purdy a lot. I still think he's, of course, the answer here for the 49ers for the long term, but definitely some concerns. And if he continues, it, it could be an issue, right, where, where maybe it's not just him, but defenses actually have figured out something. Not maybe just with him, but the Shanahan system in general, in general, the Shanahan system. So definitely something to keep watching. But it's the NFL we're talking about here. Rough patches happen all the time. Regression happens all the time. Humbling happens all the time. The 49ers couldn't be perfect forever. And it's probably better to be less than perfect kind of in the middle early season than later in the season and in the playoffs. So I'm not panicking yet or really at all. I just thought it was kind of interesting to point out how much of a rough patch this actually has been for Brock Purdy and also how much Debo Samuel might mean just for the system in general, which means, you know, Ronnie Bell, still a really good deep stash. Let's talk about the Falcons now. The Falcons... As we know, this Bijan Robinson situation was a pain for Bijan Robinson managers. There was no information about it, even though it started happening on Saturday. Reports came out that Bijan Robinson had disclosed this headache migraine to the Falcons staff on Saturday, and yet they chose not to say anything. Now, I mean, I don't know if there was any malicious intent here, but I do still agree with the NFL and everyone else that's pissed off. They should have just disclosed it. I did go back and see that there is some history of teams disclosing headaches on injury reports. I know that probably in the back of their head, they're like, oh, the headache will go away. It's Saturday. I mean, tomorrow's Sunday. He can sleep it off. It'll be okay. But I mean, if he comes to you Sunday, it's like, hey, the headache's still there. That's when it should hit the injury report. You should just say something. And now most of us, I guarantee, see, here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. I guarantee most of us would have had the same exact thought process. In fact, in fact, I guarantee 100% of us that if this was on the injury report, if, you know, you saw your sleeper notification in the morning, Bijan Robinson is dealing with a headache. He's now questionable for today's game. I guarantee 100% of us would have still kept him in our starting lineup. Don't lie. Don't be a dirty liar. You would have still started Bijan Robinson because you would have said, oh, it's just a headache, right? Okay. So it's not that big of a deal, but the Falcons should still get fined, at least in some regard, as an example, as a, hey, you've got to just disclose everything. You have to. I mean, they disclose illnesses, right? You got diarrhea in the morning, it hits the injury report. So tell us about some headaches, guys. It's not going to affect our fantasy football knowledge, right? We we st I would have still started Bijan Robinson. I see an Instagram comment here. I agree. I, I mean, <laughs> no one would have benched Bijan Robinson just because of a headache. I, I no way, I, no way, unless it's a single running back league with eight people, and you're like, Well, am I starting Bijan Robinson with a headache or Saquon Barkley today? Like, if that's your question, 
Sure. But no, I mean, Bijan Robinson would have been started regardless. So not that big of a deal. I understand being upset. And I definitely do think the Falcons should be fined in some regard. And the last news of the day, I'm drumming up some Jake Bobo hype. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Jake Bobo. Guys, guys, there's more to football than athleticism. There just is. I know Jake Bobo's profile is not good, but he has just been impressing in way too many ways for this fade to be acceptable. I don't get it. I don't get it. I made a mistake <laughs> in the Trade Gods Invitational League. I may or may not have spent not 100% of my fab, but because I had extra fab, I traded for fab, but a hundred. I spent 1,001 fab dollars on Jake Bobo. Granted, 14 teams, super flex, taxi squad, start 11, deep as hell. Not often do you get an actual dynasty asset available, and I was like, screw it, I don't need my fab. Plus, I'm stashing people all the time. But still, no one bet bid more than $60, I think, was the next bid. Could have just got him for 100 I think that's absurd. I think in deep leagues, Jake Bobo should have way been bid up for. A, his touchdown catch was spectacular. I'll pull it up real quick as I talk because I just want to share it. It was a pretty good catch. Uh, but also, he's doing a lot more than just being a wide receiver. And that is what keeps you on the field. That's what impresses coaches. We already talked about the the sideline interview with with Geno Smith, or the 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 mic'd up with Geno Smith, talking about how much he liked Jake Bobo and how he's like, I'm, he's getting open, he's killing these defenders out here. I've got to get him the ball. Then he goes down, hits Jake Bobo for a touchdown. This is like week two or three, and now we see this week he plays the most snaps, more snaps than Jackson Smith and Jigba, and gets the same you know production. Now, now. Uh, some interesting stats all around, really, with that. Jackson Smith and Jigba's usage and snap snap availability actually went down <laughs> when DK Metcalf was out. He had seen the field more last week when DK Metcalf was active. So it's just interesting to me. But what I wanted to point out, Jake Bobo right now is third in the NFL in PFF run blocking grade with an 89.4. Not among wide receivers. Third in the NFL in run blocking grade, meaning among offensive linemen, <laughs> Jake Bobo is among the best blocker in the league. The only two players ahead of him are guards. He's the best run blocker in the entire league as a wide receiver. That's insane. That is insane. And not just that, he's the second ranked rookie wide receiver on PFF right now, right behind Pukunakua and right ahead of Rashi Rice just as a wide receiver. So it's not just being a really good route runner with good hands and finding space and getting trust of Geno Smith. It's also blocking really well, getting yourself on the field and earning the trust of Pete Carroll and the rest of the coaching staff. Jake Bobo is here to stay. I don't know how fantasy relevant he'll be on a week to week basis, but he's gonna be on the field a lot. And he's going to have chances to make plays. And he's only a rookie. It's only going to get better. And you might be asking yourself, Jason, well, what about a player profiler stat? Well, 11th in the league. And keep in mind, this was before Sunday. <laughs> going into Sunday, he was 11th in the NFL in win rate versus man. Route win rate versus man before this game. So he's probably in the top 10 now among all wide receivers in the league in route win rate versus man. Beating man coverage. <laughs> As a rookie wide receiver with next to no athleticism, a 4.99 40-yard dash. Hard worker, great route runner, great blocker, great guy, earning the trust of coaching staff and players. Jake Bobo, genuinely, if he cleared your waivers in your deeper leagues, 
go pick him up. I think it's ridiculous that he's available. I think he will be something. Not obviously a 20, 30-point game kind of guy, but I think that he should be a decent floor guy. Maybe not going forward, still going to take an injury, but looking forward to 2024 as Tyler Lockett, or as the Seahawks have an out on Tyler Lockett's contract. He's turning 32 next season. I mean, I think that this could be Metcalf, Bobo, JSN next year and going forward. So Jake Bobo, stash him, stash him, stash him, stash him. I said I'd show you the catch. I said I'd show you the catch. Let's watch it. Pretty, pretty good. That's him down here at the bottom of the screen. Just come completely covered and yet jumps up. <laughs> it's just catching it right on the point of the ball. And it's just magnificent. Here we go. Here's the, I'll, I'll freeze it right when he catches it. With the guy right there, look at that hand control. Just, I'm telling you guys, Jake Bobo is a lot better than he's getting credit for, plain and simple. Now, lastly, just real quick, I want to preview tonight's Trade Gods episode. Normally, I give you guys a buy and a sell, but since I'm hosting Trade Gods tonight, I figured I would just preview what I'm going to be talking about with Maddie Kiwoom. I've got one buy and two sells tonight. I won't spoil Maddie Kiwoom's, but I'm going to be pleading the case to buy Cooper Cup, sell AJ Brown, and sell... Anthony Richardson. Fireworks coming tonight. So make sure you tune into Trade Gods at 8 p.m. It'll be me, Maddie Kiwum, breaking down the trade market following this week. It's going to be awesome. So tune into that, guys. Let's answer some questions. I see some here in the chat. Week eight wide receiver, who to start? CD. I haven't started looking at start set stuff. Sorry, ambitious. But if you want to tune in Sunday morning, 11:30 a.m., uh, I will be here on Instagram live streaming start sit show. So tune in 11.30 a.m. Eastern on the Instagram. I'll answer your question more, but I, I this is five wide, six wide receivers to choose from. Too many right now. Not enough. Not not right here at the top of my head. Um, let's see. Yes, I do remember Percy Harvin. <laughs> um, let's see. Steve Smith called Bobo out months ago, said he has that old man smoothness to him. Nice. Yeah, I mean, hey. Steve Smith called Cooper Cup. Maybe Bobo is just the next Cooper Cup. Um, doo -doo -doo. Bobo is the anti-JSN. TJF start 10, not 11. I meant to make it 11. I meant to make it 11. I was trying to make it a real football league. I'm, I must have did my math wrong. Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Either way, start 10, 14. No, definitely worth paying up for him. Um, let's see. I think that's it. I, I, I mean, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's it. If you're selling AJ Brown, I'm not tuning in. Hey, I don't blame you. I, I just saying, just saying it's more of a market play. AJ Brown, obviously fantastic. I agree. He's the third best wide receiver in the league, but that number three, I'll just give you a little, I'll just give you a little, little tease. That number three in dynasty rankings is a little cursed. I don't think a single wide receiver has started the year or made it to wide receiver three in a season and then came as the next wide receiver three going into the next season. It always changes. It's just way too volatile a position to where I would like to. I mean, obviously, if you're contending, you're probably just not going to sell A.J. Brown. But I'm also a Devontae Smith guy. And I think at the end of the day, Devontae Smith isn't going to have no touchdowns and less than five receptions every single game of the year. Anyway, it, it, you need an elite haul for sure, as Anthony points out. But I think you could definitely get 
an elite haul for AJ Brown right now. I mean, he is just playing unbelievably and it's more of a market play than it is a player play. And that that's just, that's just how I roll. And chef teases why I'm selling Anthony Richardson. He got Joe Burrow for Anthony Richardson. Right there. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. Last question. Would you trade CD lamb for Jonathan Taylor? Uh, if you need running back help, yes. Yes, you should. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. This was the Wake It Take. Tons of news to break down. Tomorrow, we will you know, discuss some more news, and then we'll preview Thursday Night Football. We've got a fun one, Bills Buccaneers. So tune into that as we preview that. Thank you all for tuning in. You have a wacky Wednesday. Have a wacky Wednesday and a wonderful rest of your week. I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Peace.